0: we want to bring the attention to where we'll see, like where they'll see it most. And they're not going to see us if we're just parading around downtown, just like, you know, chanting and doing our thing. So we bring it, we bring it to them. We bring it to the white neighborhoods. We bring it like where they're dining and where they're sitting so they can pay attention. And it's like, all right, you want to go to brunch? We'll bring the protest to you, like, we don't mind.
1: What's up, everyone? My name is Walt. Now, if you're a day one listener, welcome back. And if you're a first time listener, thank you for joining us today. This is Boss Locks, where we are redefining professionalism and speaking to black leaders with natural hair. Now, um, I have a very special guest that I'm really looking forward to introduce you all today. But before I do, I want to invite you all to join the patreon community that is boss locks village it's a direct way for you to support me and the show but more on that later because i just want to get right into it today i had the honor and privilege of speaking with justin dawes justin how are you doing today man
0: i'm doing well man i really appreciate being here
1: oh man i'm glad um i'm glad this worked out man this is really quick too and I'm really looking forward to speaking to you, hear about your journey, what you're doing, and what you're going through. Um, this is a crazy times and it feels like you're kind of right in all the crazy times too. Thank now um, yeah, man. Yeah. So um for those who don't know, Justin is a, a law school student, a campaign manager and co founder of DC Protest. Now, DC Protest is a really cool organization. Their grassroots racial racial justice organization that organize and distributes resources and educational tools that aid in propelling the mission of black liberation, but not just that, but the opportunity for all of those who have been historically marginalized and disenfranchised, man. And they're not just out here collecting money. They're out here on the streets, man. I know you were out there yesterday, inauguration day. You're very hacked um active with the protests in the past year. And I'm just really looking forward to uh, just learning more about all of that, what you do, and why you do it, too. But um, before we get into all that, um, I just have one question I want to start it all off with. You know, at Boss Locks, we believe there are 8,000 ways to be black. Uh, this concept came from Jason McDaniel, and she she observed, basically, and noticed all the different lifestyles that we could have as a black people, as a race community and everything. You know, we always have this... I think the, the world, society, all the above has this mindset. You could only be one way. Black is this and that. But she noticed, you know what? That is true. But there's also this and everything like that, too. There's 8,000 ways. So with that in mind, um, my question for you is, how do you identify?
0: Right. So I would say like, that's a really interesting question. It's a really unique question that's ever been posed to me. And uh, being biracial, with my mom being white and my dad being black and I've always identified black as being black. Like, I don't really know. Like, I'm at that state. Like, and with this whole black liberation moment, like movement. Excuse me. It's really been a whole like I don't know factor. Like, it's been a really coming to like of like who am I too as well.
1: Hmm. I feel that now. I think it's um it's interesting. My sibling is biracial as well, and I've always called them black like black just even when they were little black of course like uh um, their stepdad is white and you know we all live together but always identified on uh, them as black but then one day uh they kind of came uh to the family and it was like i'm not just black i'm biracial and it was kind of interesting moment because like i think that for well i'm not gonna say all black people because some black people feel some type of way but um for the most part i think we always usually just kind of welcome everyone like no nah, you're black uh, not only that, I think the world will just automatically identify you as that as well. But I mean, it's kind of interesting because as a biracial person, of course, you're black, but you, you have a lot of different cultures that kind of tie into it. So um, I'm kind of curious, growing up, um, what was the, the household like? You know, your mom was white, uh, your dad was black. Like, how were those conversations about race?
0: Yeah. So it was always like a real interesting conversation about race when we would go somewhere. Um, I grew up in Virginia. Um, and when we would go anywhere and it'd be like kind of rule or anything, my dad would be like, you know, watch your surroundings, like watch this, watch that. And like, I never really got it, you know, being a kid, mm-hmm. like watch for what, like, what, like, what am I looking for? Like, you know, like, it's just like, you're looking for something so obvious. And it's like, no, like, you need to watch for like, I guess, your neighbor, those people that live around you that don't really agree with your skin color, don't really agree with what you are. So it's really interesting to like grow up and then you like experience it and you're like, Wow, I do have to watch myself out here. Like it's really like it's dangerous now. We see with all this insurrection stuff and the mo like the counter movement to the black liberation movement, I would say, like these white nationalists calling themselves Proud Boys, like it's it's insane that we've had to deal with that and watch our shoulders for that like it was really growing up it was really like my dad teaching me like you know not everyone's gonna accept you for who you are and some people are gonna have a problem with who you are and what you are and you just gotta understand that like there's nothing wrong with that and just know that like you didn't do anything like you're just existing like you're allowed to be here just like they're allowed to be here so it was a really it was a really like unique dynamic growing up because it would like, we'd, there would always be like some takeaway from something. Like my dad would always see something that I would miss or like, you know, there would always be like that little thing that he'd point out and I'd miss and I'd just be so completely oblivious.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course it's natural, especially as a child, you know, we're just out here loving life, like still right even just grasping the concept. Do you remember like how old you were when um, these conversations started to become a little bit more, uh, I guess, common or? Um, memorable?
0: Probably like I would say like around the age of like 10, 12-ish you mm-hmm. know like when you're starting to like go out and you're like just like you know like you'd be out without parental supervision like your parents like my dad would tell me like you know be on the lookout for this just make sure you stay away from this place and it'd be like why like why stay away from this place like why stay away from over there like why stay away and then you grow up and then it's like like, you see some, like, racial epithet, like, tagged over there. You see some, like, crazy hate crime happen, like, down, like, in the other part of the county. And it's like, oh, well, like, that's that's the problem. Like, that's why. Like, he was saying, like, that's not okay. And it's, it's crazy because I remember back in the day, like, when I was young, like, 12-ish, like, he would be like, hey, watch this. And then things start happening, like, when Trump gets elected. Like, things mm-hmm. start happening when people, like, you know, like, over the course of time of all of these, like, movements rising up, it's 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 just been surreal to watch and, like, come to life because it was, like, back in the day, like, we really wouldn't, like, everything was very closeted and people were very, like, less open about their discrimination and racism. And now they're just out here, like, blatant and proud about it. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. I feel like it's almost like the past four years have been, like... uh <laughs> A period of empowerment for a lot of those people, man. It's it's, it's really crazy. Um, it's I, I know I didn't expect it, of course, at the time. I remember when Trump got elected, I didn't really care that much about politics at all. Not one bit. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. When he got elected even, I was just like, I don't think I really anticipated all that could be possible. I, I Actually, I don't even think I realized how much a president really could do until those executive orders just started pass like oh okay yeah, yeah. so um i'm kind of curious um you're you're uh decided to study law but um did you was that like always the intent like did you go into undergrad thinking like yeah i want to be a lawyer
0: uh yeah i did like i got um like i got in a little bit of trouble when i was a kid and like it got trumped up charges and i was like this is really messed up. Like, I hope nobody else has to go through this. And like, then I was just like, you know, like I'd rather be a lawyer and help people out and they not have to go through like really messed up charges or just like some screwed up stuff. Like, cause it happened to me, it could happen to anybody. And it's like, I really didn't like the fact that like I had to sit there and suffer. My attorney was like, well, just like kind of suck it up. Like, it'll be all right. So like, hmm. I was just like, man, like kind of needs not to be like that. And I'd like to see someone like me like, be a lawyer. Like, I didn't really see a lot of, like, me in the courtroom. I'm pretty sure, like, the only me I saw was, like, a bailiff. Mm. So, yeah. So, it's, like, I'd like to see someone like me representing me because then i feel, like, actually cared for. I didn't really feel like I was being, like, cared for or represented because, like, it's, like, you know, like, I don't look like your kid. You don't really feel any sympathy for me or you don't really feel any empathy for me. You're just kind of telling me to suck it up like let me get my work day over. Like it shouldn't be like that. So uh yeah I went like into uh undergrad really thinking like yo, I w I wanna go to law school, like I wanna be a lawyer and help like people like me, children like who get in tr- like who got in trouble or who just like made one bad decision. Like mm-hmm. that should like, really affect them for the rest of their life. Man. Um
1: you mind sharing like what what happened?
0: Um yeah, like I uh um I got a fight with some people, and basically me and this one guy, like, it just spurred into, like, a one-on-one, and then um, he dropped his keys, and I picked up his keys and threw them, um, and so that constituted his robbery because I took the keys from them, <laughs> and so, yeah, so they charged me with robbery, and then they locked me up uh, on my birthday, which is November 6th, uh, and so they didn't let me out till twenty-six, I believe, or so you were in there for 20 day, days basically a day before thanksgiving
1: i think is it Thanksgiving? yeah usually it's like right after right, um, yeah, my right birthday's right. on
0: the 21st i've always had a,
1: like it's either right before or a week before one of the two yeah so
0: right there and i was just like man this sucks. like and, it, and it, it just didn't make sense because like they got their stuff back and they were able to drive home it's like all right like okay get me in trouble for the fighting like yeah that's cool like he fought too like yeah, right. for that. But like robbery, locking me up, coming to my house, like you know, like it, yeah, man. Like, so cool.
1: it wasn't like a. they went and picked you up from your house to yeah. you.
0: So like, they like I threw the keys in a field, like, everybody went to the field and got the keys, and they like we all drove away and went our separate ways. So everybody went home with their own stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like they went to the police. So, wow, yeah. Out of curiosity, were they white? They were white. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my god, yo, that, that's wild. That's wild. So your attorney was just like, "Hey, you're just gonna be in jail for a
0: minute." Like, he was like, "Like, I was crying." He was just kind of like, "Bro, like, suck it up." Like, you know, you got in a fight, you did this shit. Like, you has got to gotta eat it. And I was like, "There's nothing you can do." Like, you know, like I didn't rob him. He got his stuff back. Like all this stuff. And he was like well, like, you, like, you guys both admitted that, like, you know, like, you picked up the key when he dropped it. And I was, like, dude, like, he got everything back. Like, it's literally, like.
1: It's not you like know, you threw it in a lake or it's
0: Just not like. like yeah, yeah,
1: I destroyed yeah. it. And it's,
0: like, people, like, I, you know there are, like, white kids that do worse and, like, you know, like, all this stuff that do worse. And they've killed people. Like, there's actually a team that's, like, killed, like, eight people, got probation, mm. and, like, didn't spend a day in jail like, got out of jail, and it's, like, you're gonna, like, I was, like, dude, this is wild, like, I had no weapons, nothing, you gonna charge me with robbery, yeah. and, like, oh, and then, um, so the first time they tried to get me out of jail, like, they were, like, no bail, <laughs> so, like, I couldn't leave, like, that was, like, the crazy thing, so in the morning, they were, like, no, like, you're a danger of the community, and it's, like, yeah, it's, like, how am I a danger of the community, like, I got, we got in a fight, like, a regular fight, like, people fight, and then, like I threw keys, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" So yeah. that's that's really why I was like, you know, like I I need to go to school. I want to be a lawyer because I want I don't want anyone to suffer the same, uh, not the same fate, but like the same hand I was dealt.
1: Right, I want to put more care in it, man. How, how did your parents react? Like I, I can't imagine.
0: Like, well, I'm like, we are not happy. Yeah, were they home
1: when you got arrested?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, are my parents at? Yeah, yeah, both of them were home, actually. Oh, man. So it was like, and okay, so it happened, like, they knocked, I came to the door, and like, you know, guns drawn, and I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. and so then they got, they like, arrested me, and my parents were like, what the hell, like, happened, because like, my parents wo- like, woke up, and like, like, I would just wasn't there, and then like, I'm a minor, so they called my parents, and told them what happened. So then, like, my parents were like, like, what do we do? Like, what can we do? And then I'm pretty sure, like, my mom, like, called a lawyer and, like, called somebody. And then, like, in the morning, they tried to get me, like, out. And then they were like, no, like, you're not allowed to get them out. Like, yeah. And, yeah.
1: That's, that's crazy. It's, like, shocking but not surprising. Yeah. type of thing.
0: Man. So, how old were you when this happened again? I was okay. So it happened on my seventeenth birthday. So I was sixteen on oh, November fifth, and then yeah, I was turning seventeen. So they came like at like it's like one in the morning, I believe, or like at like twelve thirty. So I like just turned seventeen. I was like, all right, well,
1: mm.
0: danger to the community. Yeah,
1: that's wild. That's wild. Okay, so seventeen. What were you a um? I don't remember it's been a while since I was in high school. Um, Were you in um uh, junior or senior?
0: I was a senior. Yeah.
1: You are a senior? How did that affect school?
0: Um, So they had a school inside, and they transferred, like, all of my stuff to that school. But then when I got out, like, thank God I had a car, because when I got out, I had to drive, like, 20 miles. I think it was, like, 19 miles every day go to school like to an alternative school oh yeah so, like i had to go to an alternative school because like my school didn't let me back because like i got out and then i went back to school after break like right before christmas break and they were like "Not, nah, you can't be here hmm. i was like oh all right well but it's like it's like if you don't go to school you get locked up for a probation violation mm-hmm. where am i supposed to go like i gotta go to school like i gotta be you know um so then they like they were like oh you have to go here you have to go to this like program it was called like new directions um and so I went there but like it's like you go there you go to an alternative school and it's like everybody in the county like if you mess up you go there but you're wherever you live like wherever your zip code or whatever you get your home degree so like my home degree doesn't say like new directions it says like my regular old high school that like mm-hmm. I went to. Um so I guess that's like one good thing. So it didn't really like <laughs> mess up like school. But yeah, like it was such like a weird predicament. Right thing. Man. That's crazy. Well at least she got to
1: graduate on time. Yeah. Um, got you. So graduate on time, you're like, nah, this this legal stuff, this thing that we need more people to actually protect people like me so uh going to college what, well, what college did you go to
0: um so i started at northern virginia community college and then i went to george mason
1: george mason okay gotcha northern, northern virginia community college. i think i know someone who went there they had a do they have a soccer team there
0: i think so yeah intramural they they like, sports gotcha yeah i think i know someone who
1: did like two years there then they got to transfer to the school yeah
0: yeah, that's the same thing it's a great program like they make it so affordable you take classes and like i think a full like course load like i think it was like 18 credits or something like that was like 10 grand eight grand oh it's really cheap and then you get to go to like any virginia school as long as you keep your gpa to the Mm -hmm. certain like standard and i think the gpa standard is only like a two five like it's it's a really like reasonable program and it makes it really accessible for people to like go to school and I think they're like now I don't know and don't quote me on this I think they're trying to make it like even more accessible like getting rid of tuition for like some introductory classes oh nice yeah I really I really like them and they really helped like like help me with my academic dreams and like going forward because like they were like all right you can go here like it's perfect like and they sent me to Mason. Like, it was just a streamlined process to go to wow. Mason. Like, that's pretty
1: good. And George Mason, that's like a pretty good school. So, like, yeah. who knows, like, because I know um, growing up, College of Charleston was the like the biggest school in my direct directory, area. Of course, there was South Carolina there, too. But right. to get into College of Charleston, you had to have a pretty good GPA. But there was this other technical college you could go to. Get your grades up a little bit, but it's a lot easier to transfer yeah. into college and get accepted. Uh, so that's pretty cool they had that program there And yeah. so um George Mason, so see so you were at um, the school in nova for two years then you transferred to George Mason uh, and continue study law what What was your experience at at that school?
0: um so like my experience at Mason was like it just like you know I just went to school like there was it was a ghost town wasn't mm-hmm. it was a real commuter school, so like my major was sociology. And, like, I'd know everybody in, like, the sociology program kind of, like, passing by, like, hey, what's up? But, like, if I, like, if I saw them now, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell anybody, like, they're right. or anything. But um, it was a really nice school. Like, no problem. Like, everyone was super friendly. Um, just really commuter. Like, everyone was high and by. Lots of construction going on because they were revamping stuff. But mm-hmm. it was a really nice school. Like, it didn't, um, like, it didn't hinder any any access to education, um, when you had problems, you know, like they were very upfront about like, Hey, like, this is what we can do. Hey, this is what we can do. Um, I actually got in a motorcycle accident my senior year of college and mm-hmm. I couldn't go to class for the whole year. And all of my teachers were so understanding, like the school was so understanding, like they That's let me nice. do my whole, like I kept all my grades up, but they let me do everything online. And like, like just do extra work and just do a lot of like just like workarounds and like each, each of my teachers were so supportive and just like hey like yeah we got you and man. like graduated on time like it was it was a really it was what's a really
1: what's what's up man look mo- see that's why like i like motorcycles but i don't think i actually end up like having one just because like oh man it's just that thought of me just like sliding across the ground like how bad was that accident you said you yeah. were out for
0: a year yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I got hit, so like I don't really feel like I'd be like, yo, I totally, I'd be like, yo, I'm done, like I'm done. If I, if I like ran in the back of somebody, um, but I was like, I was out for a year. Um, I had like four broken bones, like four surgeries. Mm. Um, so like it was, it was, da- it was for a while, and then I did rehab. But like I still ride, like I won't lie, but I ride like huge dirt bikes, like they're called enduros. So most of the time, in, I'm in mud, like in the dirt. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But see, like,
1: I, I do that because that seems fun. Like like the whole four-wheeling wheel motorcycle stuff, but, that like,
0: looks pretty fun. But like the yeah. only time like we're on the street, like when I'm on the street is like going home from a trail or something. Like you're going home. Gotcha. You know, yeah, like being out in like the woods or something. So like I literally was like 10 minutes from home and someone hit me and I was like, damn, like this is – Sucked, man. oh man
1: you were like almost there just like get ready to kick off the shoes and everything and literally just...
0: like yo like i was like oh man it's been a long day hot like i just want right. to go shower, eat like it was fun like and yeah but it that was an it was it was an experience and i was like you know like i'm thankful for it and now like really like if i really ride like i'm super super cautious about like where i'm riding like not really like on like side streets, um, more main roads and like all of that. Mm-hmm. But like, I still like, uh still go out like once, like every once in a blue moon when like we have time, like we haven't had time in forever, so.
1: Right. Uh, back to kind of your educational um, journey. What, um, so you graduated on time from George Mason, Mason, um, what, what year did you graduate? Um, 2018. 2018? 2018, okay how did it feel to actually graduate? You know, it seems like a lot of forces to kind of prevent you from kind of making it to that, uh, walking to get your diploma and everything. So when, when they called out your name, you went out, and got your thing. Like, How did it feel?
0: Oh, it was a great feeling. Like it, it was, it was one of the best feelings in the world. Like, it was like, wow, I'm on my way. Like I did this, like I can do anything. Like I was really like, I was really proud of myself. Um, It was a really great feeling. Like to be able to be like, you know, I did this, like, um thank you to everybody who helped me out like it's just like you know like it's such an accomplishment not just for me but like you know for my family and like the people that supported me so Mm -hmm. it's a really good feeling man
1: that's what's up so um as you know when i graduated it was kind of interesting because i was like man what do i do now type of thing but i think for since you were studying law um you were like all right cool now time to go straight into a law program is that right
0: yeah. Like, uh, I was like, all right, time to like really study for the LSAT. I studied for the LSAT and then I went into a program the next year.
1: Okay. Is that pretty quick? I don't really know what that time frame's like, but how long does it usually take to get into the program?
0: Um, some people wait, some people like they'll test for a bit. Um, I would say like normal time is probably like, yeah, that's probably like normal time. I would say mm-hmm. quick is, like, you know, you go like right after you graduate because you're like you already accepted you did it while you were in your senior year like you're gone like i waited gave myself like um i think i worked on a school board campaign and did a little bit of uh other work as well like just freelance like like mechanic work just working on boats and stuff like in the summer that's pretty cool and then i was like all right you know i'm ready to go like let's go to school like let's go back to school and yeah I, I like moved up to boston and that was like a whole different like ball game a different area and i was like damn like
1: yeah what was that like uh in boston i've, well, I've only was,
0: visited and i was like in
1: middle school at the time like yeah so what, what was that like being an adult in boston i felt like a fish out of water like
0: it was yeah it was insane because like you know you're going around you're going places and like you don't look like anybody like there are some people that look like you but it's not in my area in like the downtown area and like where i was in school honestly don't know what they call it because i'm not i didn't spend any too much time getting to know like what they call places but it was like right where all the like all the main schools were and it was just like so crazy to see all the universities and see all the students i like there weren't that many black people like mm-hmm. it was like where all the black people like why do I feel like such a fish out of water? And everybody's like, no, no, like, they're definitely like black people. And it was like white people telling me that. And I was just like, <laughs> where? Like, where? Like,
1: like not- no, we have them here.
0: There's, there's, yeah. like, there's like two.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. I- I'm not surprised what you said at all. Like, I've, when I was there, I was like too young to really, I think, notice too much or at least a lasting impression. But, um, what, it, what I've heard is like Boston is like the the racism there is like a whole different type of feel um so while you were there, did you experience anything like whether in the classroom or just walking around daily daily life of a uh, life of Justin did you experience any type of racism there
0: um like at my school, so there's a there's somebody who start is like part of like a far right group like at my law school and like did a straight pride parade. And, like, I mean, like, I'm straight, but, like, I have no problem with, like, anyone else's identity. And I find it Mm -hmm. so wrong to do a straight pride parade and, like, literally try and discriminate against, like, a whole group of people and then sit there and, like, act like you can be an ethical lawyer and then get upset. Like, he got upset with me because I was, like, I was standing with a group of friends and I was like, hey, is that that Nazi? And, like, got really upset. And I was just like, dude, like, I mean, is what it is and then like he told the school on me and i was just like i mean like it's a white supremacist at our school like what do you expect wait he told like, the school on you for calling and him a nazi. Like, and like i like the school is just like don't call people nazis and I was like, <laughs> all right like i won't call them a nazi like i mean like i can call him a white supremacist so that makes you feel better but like he like sits there and like has a platform that preaches hate like i don't know what you want me to call him and like my school is just like be, be respectful, be kind, like blah, blah, blah. and it's like you're telling me that. like why aren't you telling him that?
1: What's up, everyone? I want to take a few moments to invite you all to buy Black Friday. It's the first of many live events we're putting together to encourage everyone to buy black. Basically, the last Friday of every month, we're hosting a live show highlighting black owned businesses and digging deeper into what it means to buy black. Our first event is Friday, January 29th, and we're going to keep it going every month. Visit the episode show notes to learn more and stay tuned as we introduce this new movement to Consistently Buy Black. Of course, last year, I think, just kind of shook the world up a bit with George Floyd being killed, Um, and I think you were saying... And the message before is like around May, that's when you really started protesting for the first time. Uh, is that right? Yeah, it was, like, it was around that time. Gotcha, gotcha. So I think that's interesting. You know, I think that, that murder kind of hit everyone differently. I know it kind of took me a second just to really like fully process everything, especially because of everything else that happened uh, before then. It was like real kind of build up to a tipping point. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, how, how did that, um, how did that hit you?
0: Um, It was really like, you know, I was sitting around and I was like, what can I do? Like, how can I, you know, really like get out there and like fight and like do what I need to do? And then it just like, you know, Trump's photo op happened and we had to like lead people away from the photo op and lead people away from all that gas. And that's like when we started marching, I'm really like when we got active, like, like the first week of June like we started our first like official protest that Saturday and it just took off from there like we just launched marches from Malcolm X Park um every Saturday uh, mm. and we just like shut down the city like we would just go to different bridges like George uh, the Key Bridge in Georgetown um we'd go to different highways shut them down like just different things just marching
1: nice now you um so you went out there and you actually from the get-go, were you, like, organizing things? Or were you first just kind um, so of participating? So when
0: I got out there, I was just skating. Like, you know, like, I had my longboard, and it was just, like, you know, I wanted to be out there. I wanted to help. Like, I was just skating. And then, you know, I saw, like, people needed help. People, you know, needed someone to help out. And I just, like, kind of filled. I felt like I, like, stepped up and filled a position that needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, I, I don't, I didn't start, like, really i didn't come out with the intent to be like hey i'm organizing hey like we're doing this like it just kind of naturally happened and flowed
1: nice that's a beautiful way to start something just like a true calling just coming into it um now you started this how many people um actually started dc protests with you um so
0: it was about four of us that started it Hmm. okay
1: yeah. and like why why actually um, start instead of just continuing to go out there and do it? Like, of course, you're going to realize, you know, you need to step into this role, but you actually started an organization and put a name to it. Like what, what made you guys
0: decide to do that? Um, I think like we saw all these other groups, we saw what like, you know, Black Lives Matter DC was doing and we just felt like, you know, we could, we could fulfill a niche and fulfill like a spot where like, people could come out and express themselves in a different area in a different environment where we could continue to fight for black liberation when, you know, while simultaneously keeping like the whole community safe that first, like that first day we did, um, Mm -hmm. we didn't really see like any other groups really at that time doing Saturday day marches. And we didn't see anybody like going out there and being like, yo, like, let's shut the city down on Saturday and like disrupt these white people's like, you know, brunches and all of this. So that just really became our mission. It was like, let's fuck up these white people's Saturdays. Like they've fucked up like our ancestors and they've had us fucked up for generations. Mm. Um, And that really just became our motto and just like becoming like a real grassroots organization, just like getting the community involved. And um, then like, forming this partnership with, uh, they're called FTP Mutual Aid and They Them Collective on helping them with Mutual Aid. Um, It really just became like a fully full circle thing. Like we do our thing, we march, we come to Mutual Aid, help out, do our Mutual Aid, bring our things to Mutual Aid. And then we have a night march with They Them. So it just really was like a full organic thing. And it was, it was really like, it was really cool to see it just like kind of flourish and now continue, like continue to take effect and
1: be there. I feel that I, I, I kind of laughed as so how I said "fuck up their brunches." I, I thought that, I I loved the way you worded that, and um, I think it's kind of interesting with the protests. I'm here in Atlanta, and I know I definitely got calls like you're out there burning down buildings. Like, yo, yeah, <laughs> chill for a like I'm not burning down a building. I've actually been at home, but um, uh, w- w- so I get what you mean when you say "fuck up their brunches," but why? Why? Um, what what does that mean to you?
0: Um, really, I would just say like all these white people can go out and like, not just white people, but just people that don't care about the movement can go out and go to brunch and ignore like that these things are happening. People are being brutalized in the streets for being shot with rubber bullets, you know, tear gas, like coming out with respirators and gas masks. Like, it's just like, it's really messed up that we have to protest that way and we have to protect ourselves that way. And it's like, really like, we're coming to raise awareness and raise attention and like you're having brunch, you're having a picnic, but sh- like you could be out here protesting with us. You could be out here in the streets fighting for justice with us. But instead, like during the global pandemic, you're like dining like out like socially for no reason, like when you could be home, you know, when like, but it, it just to us, like, I guess really what it means is we don't we want to bring the attention to where we'll see, like where they'll see it most. And they're not going to see us if we're just parading around downtown, just like, you know, chanting and doing our thing. So we bring it, we bring it to them. We bring it to the white neighborhoods. We bring it like where they're dining and where they're sitting so they can pay attention. And it's like, all right, you want to go to brunch? We'll bring the protest to you. Like we don't mind.
1: Mm-hmm. How how are those interactions? Like, uh, like, like <laughs> I was, I think like we, we saw a lot on social media, a lot of things were taken down as well, but like, I'll never forget just like this one video, the cops kind of marched through a neighborhood and people were in their homes on their porch and they were yelled at to get inside and they just started shooting the rubber bullets and beanbags and stuff. So like you coming into their neighborhoods, I can only imagine just like <laughs> how they reacted to it, but what,
0: what um,
1: how did how they respond, it? I guess?
0: it depends right so if we get if this sits there and we're doing like we do fact checks like mic checks and stuff and we'll read information about you know victims of police brutality or like wages of the cops or just like violations that the cops have done or just like you know like if they beat their wives just like calling them out like just mm-hmm. all types of just unique things and then like if it gets too heated and the cops don't like it they'll come and back us up or we'll like push the march mm-hmm. onward so like they don't they don't mess with us but usually like They'll they'll listen. Like people will listen to us. People, you know, some people tell us, you know, like "fuck off," like stop, like ruining our Saturday, like type shit. But then it's just like you know, the crowd gets angry and they go at it, and it's just like it's just like a whole. It's a tense. It's a tense situation usually. But usually, like the restaurant, you know, they they hear like the brutality, they hear like the injustice, and they're like, "Yo, like we need to pay attention." And then they'll stop eating. They'll stop. They'll pay attention. They'll put their fist up. Um, they'll join us in solidarity for a moment of silence type um, thing. If we do it. Um, it, it it really is something to see because it's hard to put in words like what happens. Because every time it's so different. Every like you never know when a mm-hmm. restaurant's gonna be like, "Hey, get away!" You never know when the cops are going to rush in to try and save something. You never know if like they're going to bring out water for us. So it's always a different experience.
1: Oh, that's happened though.
0: Like the yeah. people or cops or so brought water out to you guys. Uh not the cops, but people have mm. like the restaurants. Um, you know, like Aloha gotcha. uh, bars and Admo that have uh, brought out water and brought it. Like, let us use their bathrooms and stuff. Mm.
1: Uh, in those moments, was did that come as a
0: surprise to you? Um, I think the first time I saw it because I didn't know what those restaurants were like they're real big allies and they've always been helping out the community. So when I saw that, like, that was amazing to me. I was like, wow, like these people really care. Like, you know, like this is during their business hours, like, you know, like they're out here and like, they're just, they're standing with us. And that's, that's an amazing thing to see. And then when you learn the fact that like they've been doing this and they've been in the community helping out for so long, it just makes it like, it just makes it so much, it just makes it so much better. Cause you're like, wow, these people really care. And like, they're really opening their hearts and like, to help us and it's like there have been countless times where i've been chased by the police and like one of these bars have been like "Hey, ayo come here and like i've just like gone and like hid inside or like mm-hmm. i've just been like like i'll walk through the bar and like i'll like you know i'll go home like i'll walk through and i'll go out and i'll skate through the back or like i'll order a drink and i'll just go to the bar and then right. go home like, you know i'll order a water and then you know, just get it to go, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> just go the that's other crazy. way. They're, All this while really
1: protesting, stupid. man, that's interesting. So, um, so I know, okay. So you guys started this up in June, kept it going every Saturday, um, and I, I think you mentioned that you actually ended up getting arrested. So that one time, um, can can you? Was that in August?
0: Uh, yeah. When I got arrested it was in August. Um, so forty-one people got arrested in August during a protest. 41. Yeah, and uh, they arrested us all on different things, and uh, mine was for crossing a police line. So it was a real interesting, yeah. um, yeah, real interesting way of charging people. You know, it was such a such a bullshit arrest.
1: Right. Were Were they making those type of arrests earlier on? Um, if I feel like last year was really a blur, but I feel like August, the protest one, just had even more energy at that time as well. But at the same time, it seemed as though there's a, there a lot more um, abuse that was kind of shown by cops or, or arrests that were just kind of very questionable. Um, so you said 41 people got arrested. Have you seen that many people get arrested beforehand when you guys were out demonstrating?
0: We've had a lot of Like we've had a lot, we've seen a lot of like, you know, mass arrests, you could call them like maybe over like 15 or more, but Mm -hmm. I would say like the, the ADMO 41 was like a huge number of people. Like, and uh, people from that group, actually, like some people still don't even have their property back. Like that was, yeah, August, with all that energy and everything going around, the cops just amped it up. Like the cops are like, you know what? we're going to do this and like make, so make it sure. like, you know, it's harder for you guys to be out here. So.
1: Mm-hmm. So when, when you got arrested in August, um, how long were you like, how long did they have you?
0: So they arrested, Um, they only arrested us for the night, but I got arrested at one in the morning, 12 in the morning. And then I messaged it. Like yeah, midnight one, and then like till five PM the next day.
1: Okay. Okay. I mean, definitely, definitely not how you necessarily want to spend the day. But um, gotcha. Yeah. So when you guys go out to protest, I, I think um, I think it, you realize you might get arrested. But when it actually comes time when they like put the cuffs or zip ties or whatever on you, like, how does it feel at that moment? Are you just like? yo what what's happening or like what what's going on uh, no
0: it's definitely like one of those oh fuck moments like yeah oh fuck like i'm arrested like i hope like you know so and so knows or like hope like somebody tells my mom or tells whoever it needs to know like because like it's like you know these people worry and you know, like you don't want them to worry because nothing really like they're just like processing you you just want to make sure it's just like really like you want to make sure people know what's going on and what happened so it's like they can report the arrest, and, like no, like it's unlawful, and no, that like you didn't do anything. Because usually the time, like when they arrest us, like they'll target us, so they'll try and target people at kettles, and they'll try and target like people to arrest like leaders, um, or just different organizers. Like they'll be like, "Hey, grab that one," and like we've seen it happen countless times. Like, yeah. um, attendants will be like, "Hey, come here, I want to talk to you," and the person goes over there and talks them and gets snatched up. Like, uh, one of my friends, um, she was like, no, I'm not going over to you. And then another organizer that a lot of us know uh, went over to him um, after, like, because he, like, tried to do it to him because, I guess, I don't think he saw. And he was like, hey, come here. And then all he did was, like, he, like, he went over there. um, Yeah, they went over there and they were talking, like, him and the lieutenant, like, the lieutenant was talking. And he just, like, bear hugged him and it was crazy like they they didn't know what to do and they like they just got arrested like all for like talking like like the lieutenant was like hey come here and it's like what are you doing like why are you doing that so it, it it definitely is like a really like it's like you know we know when like we're about to get arrested we know like we can see when they're about to arrest people we know like the tactics the different cars they use so we really watch for it and try to like make sure it doesn't happen but like if it does and like you're in that situation it's definitely like an all fuck moment and you usually try and like get your phone off you or like just give somebody your personal property like i usually try and give somebody my truck keys or you know like my phone mm-hmm. like they don't have it just like, in my case yeah so i don't get towed or anything like yeah
1: mm.
0: okay um all
1: right so you weren't locked up for too long um but august that's about time when school starts back up right yeah so um did that arrest affect your school like right away or did you were able to just go back into it as usual
0: um no like i you just have to report it so i reported it um and oh, you have yeah, to report it, it to your to your program yeah you just have to like say like hey this is what happened um and it's there's not really a formal process of reporting so, I was just like, hmm. hey, this is what happened. Um, you know, got unlawfully arrested. All charges dropped. You know, it's all good. Hmm. Is my, that
1: because it's like a law program that you have to?
0: Yeah. Gotcha. And so, I was. they were just like, okay, thanks for letting us know. Like, are you okay? Like, there you go. Like, it was all good. Like, nothing really came about of it at that time. Gotcha.
1: Okay, so... Able to start school back up. Uh, Were you still going out and organizing and kind of protesting when uh, when you guys could, or is it like full time back in the school?
0: So like it was both. Like I was just full time. Like you know we were full time organizing, full time in school. So it was really like, like you know, um, like it just like time management was a very crucial role that had to play um, when I got like back into school and. While I was full time school, we had our weekly marches and our weekly mutual aid. if anything happened in the middle of the like week or anything happened in the middle of school, I would usually try and get school done first, take care of all my school stuff, show up late uh still be there when if anybody needed me still be around so it was a it was a big time management thing that I had to work on, but mm-hmm. one I think after like the first first month and a half, I was good gotcha were you um were were the your other co founders?
1: Were they in school as well?
0: I believe one is one is in school, and the other work full time.
1: Okay, gotcha. So you guys all had things that you guys were doing on the regular, but okay, gotcha. But I, I think it's good to have multiple co founders. You guys can kind of take turns, like all right, yeah, I'm gonna go out. Y'all meet when I can, type of thing. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. What um so understand time management is important but it seemed like you had to balance a lot um how how did that
0: affect your grades um so this semester like i actually got the best gpa i've ever had i mean i I, like i've never had i've only had my first semester and i didn't like i didn't do so because you know adjustments law school uh second semester i honestly think second semester if it wasn't pass fail would have been my best semester Um, two of my teachers emailed me saying like I got really high marks on my exams and like I got really high grades so I can Mm -hmm. use recommendations for jobs and stuff Um, and they'll say that but I got a two like a two four eight a two five this semester I got two B's and the rest were uh, C pluses and a C so I did pretty fine Um, pretty average for law school Uh, I didn't really like you know I did really well where i needed to do well and then the other mm-hmm. like i don't really get a breakdown of my grade so it's like you know it's just like you gotta kind of just oh, you just gonna, get
1: this one final grade yeah, type of thing yeah, oh yeah.
0: man the one final it's just like you get one test and it's just like all right like that's your test so um for the most part like in my friend, like in my peer group like i got the highest grades in like at least two classes so i wasn't like Really bugging me out because it's like COVID and everybody's doing like, you know, which and which and which grade and you know it's really hard. I guess that our teachers are grading for us that they say. So it's it's mm-hmm. a really interesting dynamic and really weird to see how we're getting graded because like you know we have participation grades and it's like how are you get graded on participation <laughs> when we're virtual. So right, it's interesting. It was a real, it was a really weird um, semester, but I don't think it affected my grades. I actually think like, if anything, it really gave me the discipline to sit there and be like, I really want to, mm. do this. like, I really need to streamline and prioritize and just like make, like really manage my time for what I need and what I want.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So you actually were able to find that balance and really kind of, guess, find the, I guess some purpose as well to one, yeah. this is like, this is why I'm in school. So I guess like it probably just even put even more fire just to, um just to achieve the most. Not gotcha. true, so that, that's that's impressive to be honest, because I think this year, like if you know what's interesting with school, school is not necessarily easy, <laughs> like it is a challenge, but this year has been a lot just from COVID to the protests to the elections man, like this was this was crazy, like yeah. um, I think there's a lot there's a lot that could easily take you away from performing at your best, you know, from virtual learning. Um, just all these different factors. Um, so I definitely want to congratulate you for being able to uh, achieve those grades and everything. I'd like to take a moment to invite you all to join me in the Boss Locks Village. It's a way for you to directly support me and the show as we continue to reach new growth. and. When I say support the show, I really mean it. Like When you join for as little as $2 a month, you're helping us with initiatives like an internship program we're putting together and uh, creating more community events for listeners of the podcast. So if you're not driving, go ahead and take a second to click the link in the description and sign up for as little as $2 a month to be a part of the Boss Locks Village. Let's grow together. I guess your, your first introduction to protesting was a huge one. Um, and <laughs> there were a lot of interesting interactions. Now, it's something I call National White Privilege Day, which was a couple of weeks ago when they decided to storm the Capitol. And at first, a lot of them were calling it a protest. Um,
0: I'm kind of curious, what would, what would you call it? Um, it definitely, to me, looked like a like domestic terrorist attack because they stormed a federal building, Um Stole classified documents, you know, and attacked a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So to me, it looked like a terrorist attack. Um, but to, you know, the government officials and Republicans and all of these random people um, and reporters, it was a group of protesters going awry. And when you sit there and compare them to us calling them protesters, it's like, we don't sit there and kill people storm the capital and like say we're gonna like like take hostages and bring like loaded firearms to the capital and get in shootouts like that's not what we do like that's not what we do we come out for black liberation and we fact check people and we fact check diners who they're dining and we interrupt um like we bring the information to them and we make them listen whether they want to or not and so the difference between it being like they performed a literal attack on the nation and on the nation as a whole because they were upset because they felt like we didn't have a fair election. When, if you reverse it, like four years ago, they were sitting there saying like, "Oh, don't cry yeah. about it. Like there was no cheating. Like da da da. Like the election. Like you can't cheat the election. All of this." So now mm-hmm. it's like very hypocritical and it's just a weird, very weird, surreal like terrorist attack of like. All these psychos that just didn't get their way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, man.
1: It's <laughs> I think exactly that. I think for everyone who's like still grasping with the idea of just white privilege is, I think it's that itself. You know, you could um, do something that is technically terrorism or um, treason or whatever, but be called a protest or just exercising your freedom of speech. And of course, we do see, like, I think to be honest, with you, it's like hilarious, but like other people who found out real time that they're now on a no-fly list, uh, getting dragged to the airport and stuff. So, I mean, a little has been done. And we do see, I think, they're starting to arrest more and more people. But it's like an after-the-fact thing, whereas while you were out there protesting for just saving people's lives, um, you getting arrested by kind of any means necessary on their end. Um, now... What's interesting about your story is that it seems that like you were actually affected by these, um, um, this Capitol storming. Um, so can you share a little bit about what happened that day?
0: Yeah. So uh, the, I guess it would be the day after I'm just chilling, you know, white supremacists have just stormed the Capitol and I'm like, oh man, like, this isn't, this is insane trying to say it's antifa they're trying to say it's all these people i get a text from a friend at school in the student body association and they're like hey um channel seven saying that you stormed the capitol and that you were arrested and i was like uh what like no i wasn't there like i wasn't at the capitol at all um i was chilling yesterday just watching the news watching everything happen um, on a camera like on the live feeds like all like you know everybody at home who was normal was And this national news outlet tweeted and put out a story saying that I was arrested and I was charged with my charges that in August at the Capitol. Um, It was sent around at my law school. My law school found out and they uh, contacted me asking me if I was at the Capitol and like like I need to report these charges, saying all this stuff. Um, And the news out like the news outlet. And they did not issue a, like a correct correction until I called them. Um, I had to get a bunch of my friends tweet at it. And then they took the tweet down finally. And then the station manager or station editor, I forgot what she was. She called me and she was like, hey, like, just, I don't know what's going on. Like, da, 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 da. and she was like, was oblivious and acted like, you know, nothing happened. And then they issued a correction, but the correction um, still kind of states that I was there. It just says, like, we incorrectly reported that this man was arrested. And uh, so it still kind of puts me at the Capitol. And my school's like, what the hell? Like, you know, this correction doesn't give us anything. So by all of them storming the white, like, all these white supremacists storming the Capitol and doing all this crazy stuff, like, normal people have been affected because people on the protesting list that were arrested and let go have now been, like, I guess, put together in this whole giant list that journalists have um, from MPD of people who were arrested. And so now it's like, I don't know. I don't know if the journalists do or do not get a date. I have no idea, but I have no idea how I got lumped into an arrest that was in January. So it's just insane. And it's kind of just like taking a hold of my life. Like people are like, what's going on? Like, were you at the Capitol? And it's just been like a whirlwind of things. Mm. So
1: basically this so you say like everyone was arrested the past year or whatever for some type of protests it's yeah it's basically all in this database everyone yeah. is arrested even if the charges are dropped the fact you're arrested is still on this list and your name's there and everything and i guess journalists have access to that list or i guess it's public information
0: so it's, yeah, it's like a public information database. And I think like, you know, me and you could look it up right now. Um, and they, hmm, I think, I'm pretty sure you can inquire about it. But like, you know, we look it up for jail support. Um, something you know. that we do when like, you know, somebody gets arrested, we go out there and support them. Um, and it was just like, you know, like all these people, like, just like average me and you like you know you're from south carolina i think there was like a person from like rhode island who got the same like the same treatment like i'm going through like we put our like we put the story out and somebody dm'd like you know our protest page and was like my boyfriend's going through the same thing like they reported him like you know and like they're from like texas or somewhere like so Mm. it's like crazy and like they're like like these people were here for like you know march on washington and like Um, July, Juneteenth like they were here in the summer and they got arrested and now they're getting reported in the new year being arrested and it's just affecting like it's really affecting people's lives that they're doing this and it's like I don't know if the journalists don't get the dates or not but when if me and you were to go look it up right now we'd see the dates Mm -hmm. so I don't know like I don't know if they're getting like an edited list or like but it's just like I do know like you know they have to fact check it so it's just, it, it it's crazy to me. Man, so you weren't even there that day. Nope. Yeah, like I was I was chilling, you know, me and my dog, just watching like all the random like little streams. I actually was, got, I got on Twitch on my Xbox and I like watched like all the crazy streams from like right up close, you know, all those crazy people. Like a mm-hmm. bunch of people watched and they sent me a couple links and I was just like, this is insane. Like,
1: that is insane, man. That's like, protesting while black one-on-one like yeah, yeah something from months ago could come right back at you randomly and not even be accurate that's, that's wild. that's really? wild. Sweet. so your your school found out um how did that can you share like what happened um posts like so the the article they kind of you know corrected the article um But how how did your school um, handle the situation kind of moving forward?
0: Um, My school sent me like an email and they were like, hey, like just saw you got arrested. Basically they were like, hey, we saw this report because it's like a, it's a big outlet in Boston. Like it's channel seven. They're like, hey, we saw this report. um, It says you got arrested. We need you to report this. Um, We need you to like, you know, tell us like what's going on with the charges and everything. um, Mm -hmm. And like why you were at the Capitol. And I was like, I wasn't at the Capitol, all of this. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near it. And then the next day, Friday, um, I get a it was like a 53 second phone call from the registrar. And it was like, you're dismissed. And it was like due to grades. And I was just like, yo, like I was like, you know, we were in talks of like going through everything, you know, working through stuff, like coming to the table and you guys find you guys see this report and you see you know you see these other things like you know like i've been arrested like i was at the capitol and then you're just gonna like kick me out of school and not say anything to me or not like you know meet with me it was just like a real it was a really interesting situation because like they kind of just were like okay like let's throw our policy out the window and just kind of get this person out of school
1: That that is crazy so being dismissed, um, I, I, how do you feel? Because this is like real time type of stuff. Like, how, how is this affecting you?
0: I don't know. Like, I don't know if I processed it yet. Like, it's definitely like, it's it's wild. Like, I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? But it's like, you know, I'm I'm still like really hopeful that I'll be able to like, you know, become an attorney and do like everything I need to do. Um, you know, there's a an appeals process, and I have four of my professors that are like you know, this is really unjust, like you should appeal. But um it becomes the point, like, you know, if I appeal and, you know, they grant my appeal, like it's like, do I wanna stay in an environment, you know, that sits there and acts this way towards students that they care to, you know, promote and uplift. Um, what's really ironic about this is, you know, I got my phone I got that phone call and then like five minutes later I get an email from the school, like the student announcements and it's like black like Black Lives Matter, like MLK Day and i was just like yeah like i mean like but do they really though like it's wild that the school can just do this performative stuff and just like be like hey like you know we're just out here saying black lives matter but we're gonna sweep a young a young student a young black student under the rug and just be like all right like we don't really care about you we don't really care about your problems
1: Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting um like Martin Luther King Day just happened, and it's it, it's kind of interesting. I think when I was younger, I didn't have like any t- like sort of like distaste about it, but I think more so just like the the posts and the tweets and the praise of Dr. King on Dr. King Day, which is good and everything, but it's like it's there for like that thirty seconds it takes to make that post and as soon as it's over, it's like all right, back to the racist ways and everything right. um. And it's, it's interesting because I think this past year, it, it changed a bit because, of course, you do see a lot more people who actually they make the post and they actually act as well. But still, it's like, I, I don't know if everyone really gets it just, yeah, I released an episode earlier and I kind of shared like, just because you like Dr. Kane, that doesn't mean anything to me because it's, it's one thing to like someone, but to really like, carry that with you into your actions where you're thinking all the above. That's that's a lot different and it takes a lot of work as well. Um so yeah, I feel you it's it's like what you just mentioned there, it seems like that's that's the that's the trend. That's the trend.
0: Sit there and um, somebody and then just be like, hey, like this is our token, but like real day like real day and age, real time, like you'd fail Doctor King too. Like you do the yeah. same thing you're doing to me to Doctor King, so it's crazy like like, all these people, like, you know, like, I love MLK, like you're saying, like, they they say all this stuff, but, like, you know, these people still shot this person, like, y'all still killed him at the end of the day, so it's, like, you can sit here and say, like, all these great things, all these things, but you try and, like, at the end of the day, don't try and, like, minimize the harm that was done, and who this person is trying to, like, make it, like, oh, hey, like, we're, we love MLK Day, we love all of these policies, we love all of this stuff, when I, I think that famous, like, it's, like, a famous tweet that his daughter tweets, it was, like, m- like, my father was, like, the most hated man, like, whenever, like, like, voted the most hated man, and it's, like, yeah, like, y'all didn't really, like, it, it's just now, and then the day and age and the political climate, you're saying this, and, like, that's why you're saying it, so don't sit there and be performative, like you're saying, like, like you just said, like, it's really disgusting and like it's just like what the fuck like why like why sit there and try and do this like dog and pony show when you can just be real and just be silent about it like don't say anything if you're gonna like be like i'd rather you not say anything if you're just gonna be performative about the whole thing at all mm-hmm.
1: i feel that 100 100 um so so what, what's kind of next for you? I know you mentioned there's an appeal process and everything, but um, it, it seems as though, I, I would say for one, I'm kind of like an optimist and I think it affects my thinking. But like, as I'm looking at you and hearing you, it's like, it seems as though you have a a number of options. Of course, being an attorney is the goal. And I love that. I definitely want that for you. But it also seems as though you have um, like different choices you can make. One going to another school uh, getting back into being a campaign manager or just continue to uh, grow DC protests. Um, so I know this is still fresh and still processing, but what, what are you, um, when you're looking at your life, your wants and kind of the options you have in front of you, like what, what is your, I guess, what, what's your like heart kind of pulling you to?
0: Um, I'd love to like grow DC protests and like go to UDC, uh, which is a, like, it's, I believe it's dc's only public law school Mm. which is amazing um it, it to me it would be like such a full circle you know we start this group and now i can go to a law school in dc and i can put like all of my effort back into like the community that supported me and helped me out so well so like really my heart's like pulling me to go there and like even if like you know my appeal doesn't go well and everything like i'd still apply there like do my application for the fall and just like have to do three years over. And like, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Like maybe I'd get a scholarship or something, but like their work on social justice and everything, like they're, they're an awesome school and it's an HBCU. So I'd oh, love right? to go there. Yeah. So uh, what's it called again? Uh, UDC university of district of Columbia.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I'd love to go there. Um, Cause like, it's like that and Howard, which are the two HBCUs I believe in DC. So mm-hmm. I definitely love to go to UDC
1: that'd be kind of like a, a kind of a cool story you know after like if you were to graduate from UDC or Howard like yeah. just afterwards I think that would just like that that would say a lot I think I mean a lot. I know one thing I missed out on going to HBCU but I think that um I've been mean, thinking about grad school I'm not really sure if I'm gonna do it or not but if I did it would definitely be like uh Clark or Morehouse or one of these yeah. HBCUs here in Atlanta um Yeah, that's cool. What's up, everyone? I want to take a few moments to invite you all to Buy Black Friday. It's the first of many live events we're putting together to encourage everyone to buy black. Basically, the last Friday of every month, we're hosting a live show highlighting black-owned businesses and digging deeper into what it means to buy black. Our first event is Friday, January 29th, and we're going to keep it going every month. Visit the episode show notes to learn more and stay tuned as we introduce this new movement to consistently buy black. All right. Now, um, before we go, I definitely want to, um, kind of talk about your, uh, natural hair experience. And I know you mentioned that, um, um, at one point you were kind of asked to, or it was suggested that you should cut your hair. Um, so before we get there though, um, growing up, I know we're going to take it all the way back, but, um, you know, you saw your, your dad's hair, your mom's hair. Um, when you looked at your hair, uh, how did you feel? Like did well? Did you like accept your hair as
0: it was, or like was there um, confusion there at all? Um, I always hated that. Like, I never knew what to do with my hair, and I was just like, yo, know, like, what, what am I gonna do with this? Because like when I was young, my parents always cut my hair short, so I was never able to grow it and do anything with it. Um, but I always liked my hair. I always liked that it was curly, wasn't straight. Um, always a big fan of it. And then I think like when I got older and I got free reign, like I was just like, all right, man, I'm never cutting my hair, never touching Mm -hmm. it. Like I'm just growing my hair straight. Like I'll get it trimmed, maybe go to whoever knows how to take care of it. And that's what I'm going to do. I, you know, my dad had like a little bit of hair until he got like, until he like shaved it all off. And it was just like, I saw my parents hair and I was like, wow, like I have a combination. So it was pretty cool. Like I would, I put two and two together and I was like, wow, like. That's my hair. Like I like it. That's for sure. Okay,
1: that's pretty cool. I'm glad you're able to. Um, at at a young age, you're always like, "No, I, I like this. I like this." one. continue to grow it. Um, so I guess as far as like um like hair care and maintenance and everything, is it where you do you always feel like you um were able to find like the right products and everything?
0: Um, I had sisters. So like for my dad's oh, so sure. like, yeah yeah i was taken care of man like, <laughs> like, do do it? like it was like use this do this do this and i was just like all right like okay. and so it was always nice because like my hair was really unique and taken care of so i was always like i think that was another like factor that was like i always like had like oh like your hair is like taken care of like you know what to put in it like it was always like you know helped out from and it was like a big like shout out to my sisters who like sat there and like, you know, took care of it and like, really showed me like what to do. And I would say, I guess, like the reason I really liked my hair and like accept it for being unique was because of them. So like, mm. you know really big thank you to them. And-
1: All right, shout out to them, you know, black women, they always, always out here for us. Yeah. All right. So, um, okay. So let's, um, fast forward a bit. So th- that moment when someone recommended you cut your hair, um, at what point in your life did that occur?
0: Um, so it was, I was like looking at law firms and I was still working as a campaign manager. Um, my hair, like I would always like tie it up. So it'd be fully up. Wouldn't be like this. Um, this, like, I don't know who it was. I think it was like a Senator, some random guy it was just like, Hey, you should cut your hair. You'd be a lot more professional. And you know, like they're going to have you, they're going to try and make you put it up in the courtroom and all this. And I was just like, uh, yeah, okay. Like, you know, I've seen a long haired lawyer before I like, You know, that doesn't bother me. So it was just like a really, like, I always question it. I was like, hmm, maybe like I might get another job opportunity or something. But it was always like, I never wanted to cut my hair and I would never sacrifice my hair, like, for a job. I'd be like, you know, I mean, like, myself and like who I am is worth more than like Mm. what this job is if they're trying to make me change my physical appearance. Like, my physical appearance, like, like, I have a bunch of tattoos as well. Like, it, changes nothing about me my education my knowledge um how well i can advocate for someone or defend someone's rights it, it changes none of that me knowing the law me knowing the rules um how long your hair is does not affect that unless it's like you know like your hair is so long it's like covering your face and you can't see it and you refuse to put it up and you're blind like and you can't read like that would be the only <laughs> thing right. i'd be like okay like yeah like But my hair's out of my face. Um, And, you know, I really like it. And just because it's, like, you know, not straight white hair or just, like, straight hair that, like, you know, sometimes it curls. It, like, frizzes sometimes. Or, like, just, like, like is out of place sometimes. Like, don't really, like, think it's unprofessional. I just think everybody has, like, hair. And just, like, everybody has different bodies. Like, hair does different things at different times. So I just think it was, like, a really weird thing to say. And I was just like, you know what? Like, fuck like I don't really care, and I think that dude like lost his election anyway. So like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. H- how many um, how many tattoos do you have? Oh man, I have too many to count. Like, too many? Too many to count. yeah. Man, so like, how often? Um, like, when's the last time you got
0: one? Like two weeks ago.
1: Oh, oh, man, so you, like, really about that. Like, Okay, so what What usually, like, what type of tattoos do you, like, try to get?
0: Um, Like, it's just, like, it's, like, really a mix of, like, a lot. Like, I have, like, a tiger, a bear. Like, it's, like, I have a lot of animals and then, like, a lot of, like, traditional Japanese. Like, so that's, I would say that's my style. It's just, like, a lot of mm-hmm. that. Um, It's, like, very American traditional with, like, a mix. Like, I've only, and I've only gone to, like, three artists, so it's, like, this one dude oh, wow. um, is like really hooked it up and like really like done all this amazing work. He's actually going to do my stomach. So like I have my stomach coming up in like March. All for cool. it. Yeah. Uh, what be- are you going to do? Um, do you know the story, the, uh, it's a story called 47 Ronin. It's about, um, these I sam- they made a movie, about yeah. it, but that's all I know. Um, so it's about these samurai in Japan and basically like they're Ronin because their master dies. Um, fast like the fast version of the story is the master is killed by this dude who is like yo know, kill yourself and you'll be like your family will be spared if you don't like i'll kill your family and i'll kill you too and i'll take all of your land um the dude cuts the dudes the mayor's face who says all of this and then kills himself um fast forward like you know they're called ronin because they don't have a master cuz he killed himself the Ronin uh, come up with this whole plan to infiltrate the tower where this mayor lives and where he's taken all of this land and kill him. It takes about five years to do. And so when they finally get up to like killing the master, he flees and goes to this secret garden and it's feudal Japan. So, you know, there's no electricity, there's no light. And so these five, um, five Ronin that are still left through the story um, go up to each of the gardener that are in the, Um, secret garden and they hold a lantern to their face and the way they figure out who the dude is is a mark on the guy's face because of the Mm. master cut and so they kill him and then the emperor the emperor of japan comes out and says this is like the most honorable thing anybody's ever done but we're still going to kill you and like it's like this like really noble story in japan of just like these like guys standing up to justice and it's like one dude is a ronin and he's, like, leaping from this balcony onto the mayor. And the mayor's is, like, grabbing his sword. So it'll be, like, on my – I have a chest tattoo. So it'll be, like, right under there, like, reaching around my, like, side.
1: Man. That's pretty cool. So what – I'm sure with, like, all the different tattoos, you have always have, like, a lot of different ideas and everything. But why specifically that tattoo and why on your stomach?
0: Um. So, like – I'd say, like, that tattoo specifically is because my artist actually drew it up a long time ago and wanted to do it, but then, like, now with, like, all the protesting and stuff and all of, like, the different struggles of power, you see it's a very, like, meaningful tattoo. Um, My stomach is actually, like, the only place I really have room for, like, a huge tattoo or my back, and I don't want to do my back just yet, Um, so I picked the plate of my, like, this, like, part of, like, where your abs sit of my stomach, and so i already have these went like these japanese style like art going down my chest so it'll just kind of match too so it's kind of like all like it kind of like formed all organically so it was nice mm-hmm. like everything that just flowing just
1: yeah i feel that i feel that all right justin well um um before before we kind of and Al, um one, I want to make sure everyone knows how to find you and just continue to support your journey. I know um, me personally, I'm definitely going to be watching it because um, I really love what you're doing. Um, it's, it's really important and it's, it's, it's cool because I guess in a way you are kind of like sacrificing. Um, like literally what you've done has kind of sacrificed your uh, direction and trajectory. So um, why, where can everyone go to find and follow you?
0: Um, so our page for the work that we do is DC protest, So it's at DC. Um, let me just make sure I got it right. Cause I know it's different on Twitter and Instagram. I just want to make sure I'm just going to say this right.
1: I feel yeah. I've got um. I'm so mad about it too. Like one, just on my personal, I have to have an underscore at the end of my thing. But on boss locks, I got Instagram. So proud about that because at first I didn't, but I just kept checking. But Twitter, I have to have that
0: underscore there. So
1: annoying.
0: Right, that's what happened. And so we're the reverse on Twitter. We got it, but on Instagram, we're DC underscore protest with an S underscore. So it's DC. Oh dang. Yeah, it's DC underscore protests with an s underscore um and that's like where we're most active we have moved over to twitter and our twitter is just dc protests so it's nice like we just got on twitter which is dc protests and it's really nice but on instagram we have the underscores not true at least you have it on twitter i feel like twitter is like a
1: real good place for y'all to be
0: um
1: all right now um and oh and what's what's your the website? Is it just d c com
0: yeah, it's dcprotest.com.
1: All right, cool. we'll have all that in the in the show notes and everything. Um, but before we go, um, I really want to give you the chance just to share, speak on or just say anything that kind of comes to mind. Um, I, I feel as though there's um, I don't know there's a lot that could be said, but I just want you know the floor is yours.
0: right. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you first of all for like you know having me on the show. And like just uplifting my story, it means a lot. Um, I just like to say, you know, this, all of the things that we've done, I wouldn't change. And I wouldn't have done any of this any different. The fight for Black liberation, um, no matter how detrimental to like some of our futures that it has been. Like, I know a lot of other organizers feel the same way. Like we wouldn't have changed it. And we still would have sacrificed and done everything we've done so far. To continue this fight and to propel it forward um i'd just like to say thank you to to everyone who supported us and the community that supported us and welcomed us with open arms that's had to house us when we're running from police that's how to say like you know let us spend the night when we're running from police that's had to just like get us to where we need to go pick us up from jail um home-cooked meals brought out to protest just you know charging packs brought out to protest just all the support that we give i would just like to say thank you and i'm so like grateful for you know just everyone and all the support so i can't like can't say how appreciative we are and like you know my whole team is and all the group here at dc protest as well because like without the community without all the support we wouldn't be us we wouldn't we couldn't make this happen so it means a lot i just want money in the bank
1: all right that is a wrap thank you for listening to the boss locks podcast if you like today's episode make sure you're subscribed and following us on apple podcast youtube spotify google podcasts and more and don't forget to check out the links in, in our description to learn more about our guests how you can support our show you can leave us a voice message and become a member of the working Wall blackface group. Thank you all for listening today and we'll see you Tuesday for our next episode.